Hello world and welcome to That Is Nice. I am your host, R. Kelly. Just kidding. But the recent controversy over Facebook and Cambridge Analytica stealing data from tens of millions of Facebook users can get confusing. That being said, I've decided to branch off and discuss into detail in order to summarize and explain all of the incoming information about Facebook's breach of trust. For example, what is Cambridge Analytica? What is the quiz that is causing Facebook's demise? How was the stolen data used? All that and more, you will hear everything from That Is Nice. But first, I would like to address something that a viewer brought to my attention. So, just yesterday, a viewer had emailed me asking, why are we called That Is Nice? Well, it is important to avoid bias here at That Is Nice. We give all of the information, argue both sides, and then leave the listener to their own devices to pick and choose a stance. We do this because we do not like people thinking for us, and we do not like thinking for other people. And that is why we're so nice. Now, Cambridge Analytica, what are they? Well, they are a political consultancy company ran by CEO Alexander Nix. They're being accused of manipulation of Facebook data in an unethical manner. So Cambridge Analytica worked for Trump's 2016 campaign. They used the data and strategies for the campaign. How did they collect this data? Well, there was a psychology quiz built by a university researcher named Alexander Kogan. He originally designed the quiz purely for academic purposes. However, info was later leaked to third-party applications which violates Facebook's policies. The leaked data of more than 50 million people the friends who didn't even take the quiz were getting their data stolen as well. The quiz, it was a personality quiz. The format was a statement would appear on the screen and then the taker would answer from five selections ranging from very inaccurate to very accurate and all in between. The answers then would be used to calculate your ocean score, aka the big five. Now the big five are the big five personality traits. So Ocean would be calculated by trait one, which would be openness, trait two, which would be conscientiousness, trait three, which would be extroversion, four would be agreeableness, and five would be neuroticism. The statements that the quiz taker would respond to would be something along the lines of, I don't talk a lot. I get upset easily. I feel like I'm the life of the party. I feel other people's emotions. And then after those questions, they would say if that statement is very accurate about them or very inaccurate or somewhat accurate, somewhat inaccurate, you name it. Now, how are the scores calculated and what do they mean? Well, for example, from the big five traits, if you scored high in extroversion, that means you agreed strongly with statements regarding talkativeness, being energetic, and assertiveness. Scoring high in agreeableness would mean you agreed strongly with statements regarding sympathy, kindness, affection. Scoring high in conscientiousness would mean that you agree strongly with statements about perfect organization. High neuroticism would mean you agree strongly with statements about being anxious, worried, or even feeling lonely. And high openness would mean that you agree strongly with statements about having a vast imagination or a large degree of insightfulness. 
Now you may ask yourself, how could this personality quiz be used for somebody in politics? Well, actually, it can be quite beneficial for somebody in politics if you really think about it. Uh, for example, if somebody is running, uh, like they say Trump was when he was running during his campaign, it'll give the candidate an ideal character to play when they are doing speeches, when they are out in the public eye. Furthermore, it'll give them an idea of which issues should be emphasized. Uh, for example, let's just say hypothetically that 90% of the quiz takers scored high in neuroticism, which again meant they agreed with statements about worrying, being anxious, fear, and feeling lonely. So if 90% of the takers scored high in neuroticism, then the candidate would adopt a fear-mongering persona and emphasize the dangers of current policies and state how the opponent would welcome more of those fears into the lives of the country's citizens because they react more from fear because they are neurotic according to the quiz. So the way to really convince them and get your message and point across to them would be to frame ideas into a very doom and gloom sort of scenario and build the anticipation. Which actually might hold a degree of truth because with the prevalence of social media and lack of real human connection, loneliness has actually become an epidemic. People are living to find approval through likes, but they're not really building any connections. They're not having that face-to-face -face interaction because humans are animals and they're, they're social beings. An alternative form just doesn't really satisfy what people need, which in turn, they could have lots of followers or lots of likes and not feel fulfilled. They're not getting that essential face-to-face -face relationship benefits that they would in person. So views on Cambridge Analytica using this data unethically, well, view one could be and probably the more controversial view, but I have to say it. Not that I agree, but I have to. Could be maybe it's not such a bad thing. It could be good because it was a medium to address people's needs and wants and how they feel, which in turn can really hone in and create a sort of a filter on policies or things that need to be changed, uh, the ones that really matter most that would better their lives the most significantly. So it just helps figure out the wants and needs of the masses. Uh, it could be bad because, well, it was used unknowingly. The wool was sort of pulled over people's eyes. And even those friends who got their data stolen didn't even know it was happening and they had nothing to do with the quiz. So yeah, that's a rather bit of an unethical practice if you ask me, but I'm just a guy with a podcast. What do I know? However, you know, this already happens all the time. This happens to everybody all day, every day. You know, having information used about you to sort of squeeze something out of you. For example, in everyday life, you one day you are on Google and you are interested in thinking about getting a Fitbit. So you Google Fitbits, trying to find one you like. And then the next day, everywhere you go, you're seeing Fitbit ads, Fitbit this, Fitbit that, nonstop. I promise you that's no coincidence. That's information about your searches being used to squeeze a little bit of money out of you and maybe just nudge you towards buying that Fitbit and going, eh, eh, here, you sure? Come on, it's right here, you want it? Look at, oh, wow, $30 off a $299 watch. Come on, think about it. 
but yeah, stuff like that happens every day. Or even just if you go to the mall and you see a kiosk and the kiosk is saying, oh, fill out this sheet for a chance to win a free RV. Sort of like the price is right. You know, how about a new car? But, you know, you fill it out. You put your phone number for, you know, when you win, you're going to need them to call you and tell you you want it. Then you put your email address because when they win, if you don't answer your phone, they have to, uh, you know, they got to email you, put your address. Because if when you win that RV, if you don't answer your phone or email, they're going to send you a letter saying you won the RV. Of course, that's why it's there. But then suddenly months go by and you still haven't won the RV, but you're still, you're getting calls from the company about RVs. So that's a rather, that's a bit of an unethical practice that happens every day, everywhere, but nobody's making a big deal about it, folks. I hate it all. Actually, I hate advertisements. I hate when I'm watching TV and it seems like 99% of the show I'm watching is a commercial about my pillow or you name it. It's actually, I think it should be illegal commercials on television, paid television. I bought Hulu and I have to watch the commercials. I didn't sign up for that shit, but it still happens. But, oh, I can pay extra. I can pay extra to not watch commercials. Well, that doesn't make sense to me because I just paid. So now I gotta pay more not to see commercials? They're squeezing, they're squeezing the blood out of you. And back in the day, it used to be, you know, if you had free TV, you You'd have to watch commercials because it's free. But then if you paid for TV, you didn't have to watch commercials anymore. Now you can pay 300 bucks a month for DirecTV and you're still going to be watching commercials all day long. One time I was watching a show with my girlfriend and I, I thought the show we were watching was about me buying these new Japanese sushi knives. I thought this show kind of sucks, but that wasn't the show because the show we were watching, American Horror Story... And I thought the parts of American Horror Story that we were watching, I thought that was a commercial because there were so few chances to see that. So it's an invasion of privacy, what Cambridge Analytica did. And Facebook sort of allowed it. What is Facebook doing about it? Well, Mark Zuckerberg had said, I'm sorry this happened. Yeah, he, I'm sure he is sorry, but I also feel as if he's more sorry that he was caught. But maybe he is, you know, it's a big platform that he runs. And it's probably hard to monitor all of what's going on. He is trying to rectify the situation by limiting the data that apps can obtain. However, due to the breach of trust, users are deleting their accounts in the masses. Which, why? I mean, why, why, why delete them? You have to delete your Instagram and your WhatsApp too, because Facebook also owns that. If you're worried about people stealing your information and using it for things that you don't intend for it to be used, you have to delete every Google account you have. You have to delete basically everything that you have online. That's the name of the game. And it's terrible. It's terrible. But since the uh, the breach of trust from Facebook, it has been a, a big blow for them corporately as well because, because Facebook's stock has actually dropped 14%. That's a loss of over $30 billion. $30 billion. And it keeps dropping. I checked it actually a few hours ago, and it's still going down. Facebook's future is becoming unclear, but that's just the beauty of capitalism. Now there's more room for other social media platforms to really take advantage of the void that could be created if Facebook collapses, which maybe it won't, but if it does, that's the beauty of capitalism. With so much financial trouble 
coming upon Facebook as well. It's essentially it's unavoidable because without the accounts and without people using and engaging and interacting on Facebook, there is no Facebook, which means there is no value for people who want to advertise in Facebook. It'd be nice to imagine a world without Facebook, but I can't really even think of a time that there wasn't Facebook. I've just been on that generation. What's next? What's next? What's the next big Facebook? Maybe MySpace can come back. Have all the scene kids listening to Screamo and Fallout Boy and everything. And But let's see. With that, I will close. If anything big comes out about this, I will do another episode. Thank you for tuning in. I hope that it was nice. But I know, of course, it was nice. Follow us on Instagram at that is nice podcast to stay up to date with what we're doing, what we plan, and to also engage with us. Maybe give us ideas of what you guys would like to hear talked about next, who you would like to be interviewed, what careers you would like us to put under the microscope and see. Maybe someone's interested in being like a marine biologist. Let us know and we'll get one on. But that's all, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks again and have a nice night.